Episode number 21, Curriculum Planning for Online Learning. This podcast is for educators, academics, and parents who know that online teaching can be challenging, rewarding, engaging, and fun. Welcome to the Online Teaching Lounge. I'm your host, Dr. Bethany Hansen, and I'll be your guide for online teaching tips, topics, and strategies. Walk with me into the Online Teaching Lounge. Curriculum planning for online learning. And how is this different? Why should we take a different approach to live face-to-face courses? And a few suggestions to help you out. I'm really addressing anyone who's new to teaching online. However, if you have some experience in this area, you might find some strategies that will also add to your repertoire. Why does it matter that we do curriculum planning differently for online learning? Well, if we approach the standard online class as if it is the same as a face-to-face class, if we just try to transfer everything directly online all the way down to the live lecture and all those things, it's not going to work as well as it does in a face-to-face classroom. Online education is legitimate. It's existed for years and years. It's been a high-quality thing that many institutions provide. For example, at American Public University, where I work full-time, we have a very quality offering, and we are entirely online. So we teach online. We provide all of our instruction online. Those courses were never designed to be presented in the live face-to-face format. Likewise, many people have a lecture style that they use in live face-to-face teaching that is not really designed to be presented online. So you can understand that there are some subject matters and some approaches that might be more suited to one format or to the other. So it's a problem if we approach online learning as if it is just the same as face-to-face. It is not. And we also have greater potential for a lot more independent exploration online that we might not always have especially in a lecture-style classroom. So we do have more avenues, more interaction, more multimedia. Uh, We can give little links, videos, all kinds of small group collaborative things. Um, The asynchronous component, of course, is different as well. Students can log in at various times throughout the week rather than sitting all at one time with the instructor there at the same time. So you can understand that this would be a problem if we just approach it all as if it's the same. But at the, at the same time, there are some things that translate incredibly well. Well, why does this really matter right now? More people than ever are teaching online. Many people are teaching online now for the very first time that never have taught online before. Some people were in a very big rush to move their courses online for the last few weeks or months of the previous school year, and it was sort of like being in emergency mode. And now there's still that sense of it's not the normal routine, but after the summer break or the gap and we're returning to school, students are expecting that we have changed that a little bit, that we've adapted, that we've figured things out. And of course, not all of us have. So it's a little bit of a problem to jump into the fall semester with the same approach as if it's a live class, or even the same approach that might have been used in an emergency 
transition. Now, why does it matter for you in the future? Well, of course, there are a lot of consequences that will hit you if you don't approach your classes with strong approaches in the beginning. If you use some careful planning, you will have a pleasant semester, even if you have to make a lot of adjustments along the way. If you start your class and have to make major changes the second, third, fourth week, as you've already begun, students won't know what to expect. You will have a lot more work to put in. You'll spend a lot more time. You'll be a lot more fatigued. And it will be difficult to have a satisfying semester. It could also impact your student outcomes because making big changes along the way makes it difficult to have some consistency that's needed for them to be successful. So be thinking about why it matters for you to um, do well in your curriculum planning for online learning and also why it matters for your students in terms of their success and everyone's stress levels and, and consistent experience. So when I first started teaching online, I had been teaching live courses face-to-face. -face. I was a music educator for 20 years. I've been an online educator for 10 years. There was some overlap in those two professions or positions that I had. I had a nice slow introduction to online education quite some time ago. My first online courses that I taught were prepared for me. Some universities use a standardized approach, so you have many instructors teaching a particular class, and they're all teaching the exact same assignments and the exact same curriculum. So that was my experience when I first started teaching online. I was very helped by seeing some high-quality things at two or three different universities. I was able to observe the curriculum that was planned in advance by someone else. It had been written by lead faculty in those subjects. It had been verified, checked, and enhanced by ID teams, instructional design teams, who then added more interactive elements and some pretty wonderful add-ons to the course. Now, we don't all have that opportunity. I did teach at a community college locally where I needed to not only design my own space in an online classroom, none of it was done for me, but completely create the class, all the assignments, all the lesson content, everything from scratch. Nothing was given to me. No one ever improved it or helped it. It was, I was just on my own. So I've had both experiences myself. And when I share with you some ideas today, they've come from a place of patience and a desire to help you. And hopefully they will be useful to you. The first thing I would like to share is that whether you're teaching a face-to-face -face class or an online class, the number one thing we typically would start with are what are the course objectives. Now, the course objectives are about the content itself. For example, I'm going to choose music appreciation because that is a subject that I have expertise in. I wrote a book called Teaching Music Appreciation Online, and so I have a lot of strategies there for online generally, and also that are very specific to that music appreciation subject. So course objectives are what content the student should be expected to know, understand, and be able to demonstrate some level of mastery of by the end of the class. So for, for example, in music appreciation, a student should have some knowledge of certain major composers. They should be able to recognize certain well-known musical works and be able to discuss them at a general level. 
And there are some other music concepts that students should be able to come away from a music appreciation class having learned. And if those basic things were taught in the class and students did their job, they will be able to do them. Learning outcomes are more about what the students are going to be able to do. I'm going to give you an example. Identify and describe six or more music elements in a selected music example from periods in Western art music. So the learning outcome is a lot more content focused, but also about the skills and abilities related to that knowledge. What will students be able to do when they are finished and have done it well? Another example of a student learning outcome would be analyze musical works in their specific historical and socio-political contexts. Now you can imagine there are a lot of different assignments that could be created or learning activities that they could do to learn how to analyze musical works and also be able to relate them to socio-political contexts. These things you want to be thinking about, the course objectives, those are going to be probably the same whether you're teaching a live course or an online course. The course objectives don't necessarily need to change. You still want students to be able to do those things at the end of the course, so the learning outcomes are also going to be very similar for your online class as for your face-to-face -face class. What is going to change is the process of achieving them. So we want to make a dis difference between intended learning outcomes that the students can do and the process that they're going to get there, or even how they might demonstrate it. So both the learning and instructional activity collection that you choose to use, as well as the assessment itself, those two types of things are what your curriculum planning will need adjustments in. So consider whether the instructional objective tells what students will know or be able to do with this course content at the end of the course, rather than how the student will participate in various activities and like presentations or discussions or things when you're planning the main elements of the course and then when you're fine-tuning to decide what they're going to actually engage in, that's when you want to make it specific to your online class. So here are some suggestions. First, I would suggest creating your learning outcomes based on the overall course goals. So whatever's going to be taught in that class, the content, um, historical things, basic knowledge, subject matter knowledge, you want to have that all set up. And if you've taught these courses before or this course before that you're going to teach, chances are you already know those things. And then you want to take your semester, however long it's going to be, and you want to lay out your learning outcomes week by week, starting at the end. This is called backwards mapping. So you want to start with what they should be able to do by the end of the class, and then work your way to the front, getting smaller and smaller. That will help you to determine what should they be able to do by the end of the first week, by the end of the second week, by the end of the first month, and, and so on. And then once you have laid out your learning outcomes and you've decided what should they be able to do each week getting through to the end course goals, this is where you can get a little bit creative about learning activities, um, interactive activities, 
and of course assessments or assignments. Here you want to think about the actual platform that you're going to be teaching in. If you have an asynchronous situation, which means students are not meeting live all at one time, if you have an asynchronous situation, you can actually assemble the learning content in weekly study areas where students can approach them at their own pace and interact with them all by themselves. You might choose to have a recorded lecture that you speak into a video and record. You might choose to have some instructional videos that were created by a book publishing company or that are available online elsewhere. Your university library, if you're teaching at a university or even in a public school sit setting, you might have an online library with a lot of different resources you can access, including videos that will teach different concepts. All of these can be brought in along with you writing some text to kind of explain the main ideas and weave all of the materials together in a way that makes sense. Then you want to think about, well, what will the students do to practice the content? A really great space to plan for your curriculum activities would be either in self-check quizzes, a blog or a journal space where the student writes alone, or discussion boards where they're going to practice describing, discussing, and analyzing, and doing all those skills that are critical for whatever subject matter you're teaching. They can discuss back and forth with each other, with you, in large groups and small groups, and, and so forth. So the real differentiator for curriculum planning for online learning is not so much that the larger course goals or even the learning objectives for your students would change, but that your approach for how those are carried out as well as how they are demonstrated through assignments and artifacts, that might change. As you think about the demonstration of learning, I would suggest coming up with alternatives besides essays. You also wanna think about your teacher time You'll be grading all of those assignments and giving some guiding feedback to help students improve. And since students are not going to see you face-to-face -face as much, you'll tend to need to give a little bit more feedback on the assignment itself. So if you have essays, you're going to have to write a lot on the essays and put a lot of commentary. If students create a small video, a narrated audio segment, um, some kind of group project like a PowerPoint, then you have a little bit more space to grade more creatively. Maybe you're going to type a few things. You're going to record yourself on audio or video to give that feedback or use a rubric and mark it up and provide a little bit of commentary there too. Now, I hope this has been helpful to you in thinking about your curriculum planning for online teaching and online learning for your students. Be thinking about all the ways in which your traditional learning objectives and learning outcomes can be achieved online, and I wish you all the best in getting there. Have a great week. This is Dr. Bethany Hansen, your host for the Online Teaching Lounge podcast. As you try out these ideas, visit my blog and share your results. How did they work? What would you add? Any suggestions, comments, or questions? Best wishes this week in the grand online teaching adventure.